Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So I was sitting in my dentist's office the other day, waiting on my appointment. I pick up this Newsweek magazine, and I begin to read this article about how there's a trend in American medicine where fewer and fewer people are going to the doctor. I don't know if you're like me, but it's got to be bad before I go to the doctor. Like, I'm not just, like, if I get hurt or I've got a cough, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that say, hey, let's jump in the car, just let me go check it out just to make sure everything's good. Like, I'm, I'm on death's door before I say, you know, I, sh- I should probably go to the doctor. So that article didn't surprise me at all. Fewer people are even going to annual checkups, uh, you know, just to make sure everything's good. They call well visits. Like, there ain't no way I'm going to a well visit, man. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So that's just how I view it. So I wasn't surprised to read it, but, but I was surprised to see the number one reason why people gave they don't go to the doctor. The number one reason was this. I'm afraid that if I go to the doctor, they are going to give me some bad news. That just blew me away right there because I'm thinking, wouldn't it be better if some bad news was happening? Wouldn't it be better for you to know about it? I mean, it could be just a little pill that you take. It could be a slight change in your diet or your exercise, or maybe it's just a minor procedure or just something to to watch out for and keep a heads up on. It's almost like... We believe that as long as we don't acknowledge it, then that means it doesn't exist, right? We believe that in the middle of the night, the artery fairy is going to come and clean those things right out. Just don't look at it, don't acknowledge it, don't get tested for it. Like, just don't go to the doctor. As long as I don't know that bad things are happening, then, like, I'm, I'm good with it. That, that's got to be better than actually knowing and getting some possibly simple treatment for it. That was crazy. I don't want him to tell me any bad news. And that's the reason why people don't go. Uh, I kept reading on down the article, and, and, it, and it admitted that the doctors know our secret. I don't know if you know that your doctor knows your secret and my secret or not, but here's another admission that the doctor said. They acknowledge that the majority of the things that the patients tell them when they are in the doctor's office are lies. They know that. They are on to you and I. When they ask us questions, they know we are going to lie to them. Doctors know. Like, they know whatever response you give, they're going to cut that in half, right? You know, you you come up and you say, you know, they they ask you these certain questions. um, You know, tell me about your diet. What what do you eat? Do you have a balanced diet? And we're like, yeah, right? Anyway, what we don't tell them is, like, it's balanced between McDonald's and Pizza Hut a lot of the times. That's right in there in the middle of it is, is where I'm balancing at. And, uh, man, you know, they'll, they'll ask you questions like, have you, um, you know, how, how many times a week do you exercise? Come on, now, y'all know y'all a lot about that. A few. And your doctor's looking at you like, no, wait a minute, I didn't say a few, a few minutes a week. Like, how many times? Like, I'm looking at you, I can tell you don't exercise a few times a week. So, like, shoot me straight here. And, and so they know that these responses that we oftentimes give, they're going to cut that in half. Like, if we say we exercise one or two times a week, probably we don't, right? It's just, they, they just know that. If they say we, we eat vegetables every day, like, we may get two or three servings a week. And so they're, they're, they're on to that. 
and, and they know that we're lying to them. That's why I like, anytime I go to the dentist, I'll sit in the dentist. Anytime I go to the dentist's office, uh, the night before I go for my cleaning, I always floss my teeth. Because here's the deal. My dentist asks me this all the time. Nathan, you've been flossing your teeth? And if I floss the night before, I can confidently look him in the face and say, yes. Yes, I have been flossing my teeth. And he knows, like, he knows. But still, I want to have my conscience clear when I say that. But we, we lie about how many vegetables we eat. We lie about how much exercise we do. Uh, we, we lie about how much we smoke and drink. Uh, we, we lie about how fast we drive and how dangerous we are. We will even lie. Check this out. We will even lie about how much we weigh knowing that we're getting ready to get on the scale. That blows my mind. Like, we will tell them, you're like, I weigh a certain amount, knowing that in a few moments before you go into the room, the doctor's going to ask you to get on the scale, and the nurse is going to write it down. And that's when we all say, well, I just ate breakfast, or, well, that thing's wrong, or, well, I usually don't weigh with shoes on. And we come up with all these excuses as to why we are lying to the doctor. And so there, it's, just a, it's just a habit that we have. No wonder we never want to go to the doctor, because we're trying to be Christians and not lie as much, and have high character. That's another lie, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to challenge you on something. I want to challenge you, if you're, if you're courageous enough to accept this challenge, uh, I want to do a physical, not a, not a physical checkup, but a spiritual checkup this morning. I want to test some spiritual vital signs in, in our life. And please, like, this checkup is, is not between me and you. It's not between you and whoever you're sitting beside. This is between you and God. Like, just, just you. It's, it's all about your relationship with God this morning and what you're doing to move forward in that. So, hey, don't lie. Like, don't, don't pretend like God doesn't know what's going on. Don't, don't just try to brush it off. Don't, don't think that, oh, well, if I don't acknowledge this stuff in my life, then, then it'll just go away and no one else will know what's going on and no one else will ask about it or, or think about it. And this whole series that we've been doing is how to know when you grow. And so we're actually going to look about uh, one verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But this verse is packed with stuff. If you're a type A-er, you're going to love today's message because I'm going to give you four points, four boxes to check off, four questions that you can ask yourself just, just to be real and honest. Just like your doctor stands in front of you in that, in that doctor's office and maybe asks you some questions about how you're doing physically and emotionally and the, the status of your health. This is a time for us to look in Scripture. If, if you got the guts, if you're courageous enough to look in Scripture and say, how am I really doing? Like, what, what, what is it that I can work on? Am I really growing? Man, am I really pursuing Jesus in these different areas? And so Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 42 is what I'm going to read for us today. Just one verse and, and four things that we're going to be able to check off. Here's what Scripture says. And they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. The early church, that's me and you, we are, we are the church. This was the first church after Jesus' uh, death and, and resurrection. This is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. There's one word that is gonna, we're going to use to set this all up. 
It's one of the first words that happen in the verse, and, and this is kind of the scale that I want to, that I want to use today. It's, you're going to fall into two categories as we, as we go down this list of four different things about your spiritual health. The first word that I want us to notice out of that verse is devoted. The apostles devoted themselves to these things. It doesn't say the apostles tried these things. It doesn't say the apostles were off and on. It doesn't say the apostles thought about it sometimes and they would do it, but sometimes they wouldn't. It doesn't say that it was on their mind, but they, they executed on it very rarely. No, Scripture says they devoted themselves to these things. If we're honest today, most Christians would not use the word devoted when describing their walk with Jesus. They wouldn't, describe, they wouldn't use the term devoted when they talk about their spiritual vitality and their, and their spiritual health. The word that, that we oftentimes would, would use instead of devoted is dabble. And those are the two words that I want us to use as we go through this list today. Like We're either checking off we're devoted in this area or either we, we dabble in this area. There's a huge difference between devoted and dabble. Dabble means this, to do something when it's convenient to do something when I'm in the mood, to do something when I need to or when I have to. I dabble in those things. It's, it's a very casual atmosphere. I think about a hobby that you may have. You know, you don't spend a ton of time on it. You don't spend a lot of money on it. It's just whenever you can get around to it or have some fun or kind of go out into the backyard or the the workshop or whatever and kind of play around, tinker around with it. Like, you're not sold out to it. Like, it's, you're not a professional or an expert in any means. It's just something that you just kind of enjoy doing every now and then. There's this, there's this casual nature about it. But, but devoted means something totally different. Devoted is a way of life. Devoted is the ultimate priority. Devoted means we have this attitude of, I, I would not miss it for the world. And in fact, I'm willing to sacrifice for it. That's how devoted I am. I'm willing to, to give of myself for it and to be, to be dedicated in that, in that area. These are devoted followers. This is a, a lot more passionate than dabble. Dabble is very casual. Devoted is very passionate. When I think of devoted, I think of sports fans. Like sports fans are devoted. Sports fans will wear the jersey of their favorite team. They'll have a sticker on their car. They know the fight song. Like they can t- like just they, they follow the team the whole deal. You'll pay to go to games and you'll you'll travel and and you know rent hotels. My my wife is a uh, I'll give you an example. My wife's a Clemson fan. Mm. And so they won the national championship 3 weeks ago, but if you ask her it was yesterday they won it. She acts like so she's been wearing orange every day. A bunch of my friends went down to Tampa, spent the night, um, were, were celebrating when the Tigers won, and, and uh, renting hotels down there, and just paying big money is crazy. And then, here, here's how crazy it was in the upstate of South Carolina. South Carolina is where I'm from. I had friends that, as soon as the game was over, it, it ended about 12.30, 12.45, after, that's a.m., people. They drove to Dick's Sporting Goods, because an hour after the game, Dick's opened up and they were selling championship t-shirts. So it's 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and these crazy devoted people are standing outside of a Dick's Sporting Goods because they want to have their championship t-shirt on when they go to work the next day. That's devoted. Actually, that's a big problem in my mind. <laughs> you may want to get that checked out. Ease 
back a little bit on it, man. That shirt will be there tomorrow. But it's crazy. Like they live it. They breathe it. They, they talk about it all the time. They're so, they're so passionate. Sports fans are funny. I've got some friends that are sports fans, and they're Christians, and they're followers of Jesus. And they'll tell me, they'll say, you know, like, Nathan, it's, just, it's hard for me to memorize Scripture. It really is. Like, I've been working on that. But here's what they can tell you. They can tell you their third-string kicker on the team that's never played a down. They got drafted in the 14th round from San Diego State University, and you can, they can give you all their stats, but they can't recite any Scripture. That's none of my business, dude. It's fine, whatever. That's devoted. Are you devoted or are you dabbling? Which one is it? So as we go down this list, just think about it. Think about it through that, through that scale. Maybe put some check marks in, in, in these boxes beside it. Are you devoted or are you dabbling? First one is this. As we go through the, 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 the vital signs, check these out. First one is this, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to, number one, to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, what the apostles taught, we actually know what they taught because it's recorded in the New Testament. And so everything that they taught is what we can look from and, and look towards and read and study today. Now, in, in, in the time of the book of Acts, they didn't have the New Testament, obviously, because they were in the middle of writing it. So Peter did not get up during a sermon and say, all right, all right, people, open up your Bible and let's turn to Acts chapter 14. It didn't exist. Here's what they taught about Jesus. That's what they talked about. They talked about Jesus all the time. These apostles rolled with Jesus. They saw his miracles. They heard his teachings. They, they saw and experienced firsthand. And here's the deal. Their life was so radically changed by what Jesus had done, they couldn't help but to talk about it. They couldn't get over it. They talked about it all the time, and as we read throughout the New Testament, and, and Peter, and John, and, and the different Paul, the different authors that, that wrote these books to the churches, we see that they're talking about Jesus. They see that, that they're laying out what it means to follow Jesus, and, and those different things. And so their, their life was radically changed by Jesus, and so that's what they talked about, and that's what the people were devoted to. They were devoted to these teachings about Jesus, to, to the man of Jesus, to the, to the life of Jesus. And so here's, here's my big question for you today. If you want to know your spiritual health in this area, this is the question that the doctor would, would ask you. Am I meeting with God on a regular basis in his word? Am I, if you want to know if you're devoted or dabbling to the apostles' teaching, here's the question. Am I meeting with God on a regular basis in his word? Now, I've used this phrase before, but this, this idea of meeting with God and hearing from God, it, it's not about listening for a voice. It's about looking for a verse, right? God does not speak to us through all of our motions or through signs or through loud voices with no body in the darkness. God speaks to us through his word. You want to hear from God? Spend some time in his word. Are you meeting on a regular basis with God in his word? Now let me clarify something because when I start talking about the Bible, it seems like followers of Jesus are, are on one of two sides of the scale. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Okay, That's not what that question means. I'm not asking you, do you think that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit? Do you think that God wrote it through the, through the hand of man? Like, Do you think that the Bible is God's Word. That's not what I'm asking you, because a lot of people believe that the Bible is God's Word and still don't read it. 
and they still don't spend any time in it. And they still don't study it. And they still don't try to apply it to their lives. In fact, the Barna Research Group did some, uh, what I would call probably embarrassing uh, research in, in asking people that claim to be followers of Jesus. They asked them a list of questions. And um, over, the overwhelming majority of Americans today believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, It's like over 75% of people that live in America believe that the Bible, this book, is the inspired Word of God. Yet, here's some stats. 60% of people that call themselves Christians in America cannot name one of the Ten Commandments. Can't name a single one. Now, they believe this is the Word of God, but they don't know what it says. One-third of people that claim to follow Jesus cannot tell you the name of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Third-string kicker? Yes. Gospels? No. Now, these are followers of Jesus. Like, I'm not talking about people that don't go to church, that don't love Jesus, that like, aren't religious, any of that. These are people that claim that the Bible is the inspired word of God. So, this is a good one. 75% of people believe that the saying, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin actually said that. <laughs> he wrote some books and invented some cool stuff, but not wrong guy. But we believe that. 75% of people say that the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. And probably the funniest one, my favorite, 12% of people that claim to be followers of Jesus, that believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. She had to get that last name from somewhere. Noah's Ark, Joan of Arc, they're together. It just makes sense. See, you can believe that this is the word of God and still not spend any time in it. You can believe that this is inspired, but that doesn't mean that you are meeting with God in his word on a regular basis. So when it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, I'm not asking you, do you like this book? I'm not asking you, do you own one? I'm not asking you, do you think it's holy or sacred or God's word? I'm asking you, do you spend time with God in his word on a regular basis? Devoted? or dabble? Which one is it? It's a great, great indicator of our health. Here's the second part. And they devoted themselves to, number one, the apostles' teaching, and number two, to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Here's the question that we have. You want to you gauge this in your life. Dabble or devoted? Is God transforming my relationships? Am I meeting with God in his word on a regular basis? And is God transforming my relationships? If you want to know if you're doing the fellowship thing right, you got to answer that question. Devoted or dabble, is God transforming my relationships? We tell our kids this all the time, and, and we believe it even in adulthood. Who you hang out with is going to determine the path of your life. Show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you're going to be in five years. Like we, we know the importance of the people that we hang out with and the things that we do. That, that Here's the deal. Your friends, the people that you hang out with, they are either pushing you towards spiritual growth or they are holding you back from spiritual growth. Like There is no middle ground. And so are you devoted to this fellowship with other followers of Jesus? Are you devoted? Are, are your relationships being transformed? The people that you hang out with, the friends that you have, the stuff that you do with them, the, the attitude and the actions and the things that you say when you're around these people, they're either pushing you or, or pulling you back. They're helping you in your relationship with Jesus or they're, they're hurting you 
in that. So is Jesus transforming, is God transforming your relationships? And I want to clarify something about fellowship, because we're going to talk about two different relationships. Fellowship is actually a word that Scripture uses to describe the relationship that Christians have with other Christians. Right? So this is, a, this is when followers of Jesus hang out with other followers of Jesus. That's what Scripture means by, is God transforming your relationships through, through fellowship? This is not Christians hanging out with people that don't love Jesus. There's a different word for that. We're going to get to that next. So I'm talking about our groups. I'm talking about community. I'm talking about people that you are allowing to encourage you and push you and help you take your next step and move forward in your relationship. I, I'm not asking you, do you like to party with all your friends? Man, we got plenty of friends. I, I've got plenty of friends. I don't need any more friends. I need some people to help push me to be more like Jesus. I need somebody that's, that's going to encourage me. I have dudes in my life that speak truth into my life, that encourage me, that will, man, if they see me doing something or saying something or treating my wife in a certain way or leading my kids in a certain way like that, that doesn't line up with what God has called me to do, they'll crack the whip, man. They'll call me out in a minute and hold me accountable to what God has called me to as a follower of Jesus. You need people like that because they're going to push you to be more like Jesus. You need that fellowship of followers of Jesus so that when life is tough, that you can turn to them. That when, when you want to celebrate, you'll have someone to celebrate with you. Man, when you, when you need some advice and a sounding board about a big decision in your life, you'll have those people in your life that are not just going to give you advice, but help point you towards Jesus. Has God transformed your relationships? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're still only hanging out with the people that you hung out with before you were a follower of Jesus, then God has not transformed your relationships. You're dabbling in that area. If the only time you hang out with Christians is when you're here today in church, sitting, hanging out with us on a Sunday morning, then, then that's, you're dabbling. You're not devoted to that. See, these people... Now, granted, they were in the minority. There were not a lot of Christians in Acts chapter 2. Very small percentage. But they knew, man, I want to be around people that are going to push me and encourage me and make me a better man or a better woman after God. And that's what we call fellowship. He's transforming continually my relationships. It affects your family. It affects your attitude. It affects your actions. It affects your leadership. It affects the way that you carry yourself, the way that you act at your job, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. All of that is affected by who you surround yourself with. How's it going? D devoted or, or dabble? Third one is this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And third, and to the breaking of bread. To the breaking of bread. Now, we're not talking about the Lord's Supper specifically. That's some language sometimes that we talk about communion, uh, Jesus' body being broken for us for the forgiveness of our sins and his blood being shed. This breaking of bread is a sense of hospitality. Now, if fellowship is what Christians do with other Christians, hospitality is what Christians give to non-Christians. If they're outside of the church, here's what we're doing. We are opening up our lives to people that don't know Jesus. Our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, the, the people that hang out in our sphere of influence, wherever you work, play, eat, study, shop, all of those people that don't know Jesus. Here's the question for you. Am I sharing my life with others? Am I, as a follower of Jesus, am I sharing my life with people that don't know Jesus? Am I inviting them into my home? 
Am I in their life? Do I hang out with them? Do I talk with them? Do I spend time with them for the sake of the gospel to build those relationships up? It's this idea of hospitality. See, in the early church, Christians were some of the few people in the city that were actually nice to other people. See, these non-Christians, here's the culture, that, that, that the setting it was, and it's the same as today. Everybody would just go and worry about their own life. They worried about their own family. They worried about their own problems. They worried about their own finances. They, they just were concerned with them. But the Christians were different. The Christians would actually spend time in the homes of other people that were different than them. They would spend time in the homes of, of people that were far from God, that didn't believe the same things that they did. It was their way of of opening up their life. Jesus gives us a great example of this. Think about the people that Jesus opened his life up to. You read these stories. Who's Jesus hanging out with? He's hanging out with prostitutes. He's hanging out with liars, with thieves, with tax collectors. He's, He's hanging out with people that the normal person would not have anything to do with. And these are the people that he's sitting down and enjoying a meal with. These are the people that he's sharing some, a conversation with. These are the people that he is opening up his life to. Man, I know some Christians that don't even know anybody that's not a Christian. You don't have a single relationship with somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I would argue, if you look at Jesus' life, sinners and people that were far from God loved hanging out with Jesus. And if sinners and people that are far from God do not love hanging out with you, then you may not be as much like Jesus as you think you are. Are you sharing your life with others? Are you opening that up, breaking bread in your homes, enjoying a meal, man, going to a sporting event, having a good time? Like Every conversation doesn't have to be, do you know Jesus? Do you want to go to church? Do you want to come to our group? Do you want to read the Bible? Hey, man, you want to come over for dinner? You want to go to the game? You're not one of those crazy devoted fans, are you? (laughs) You want to hang out? You want to come over? You want to just spend some time together? Man, are you opening your life up to people that don't know Jesus so that you can leverage the gospel so that more of your friends that don't know Jesus can one day enter into a relationship with him? How you doing? Dabble or devoted? The last one is this. And they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Question number four, am I constantly communicating with God? Prayer was the last thing. Are you constantly communicating with God? Not, not just when you want something. Not just when you're in a bad bind. <laughs> not just when your life is, is falling apart. Not when you've tried everything else on your own, and now you're like, All right, well, I guess I go to God. I've, I've tried everything else. I, I'm kind of stuck. I'm at a... Maybe I should ask for some advice and help. Now, I'm not talking about that, that dabbling. I'm talking about every day communicating with God. Even when it's a good day, rejoicing in that. Even when good things are happening, thanking God, constantly having a, a, an attitude of gratitude and, and thankfulness towards what God has done in your life. Is there a constant communication going on between you and God? If you look at the different times that the New Testament church prayed, when we have prayers written down, I loved to see what they prayed for. I love to see what they talked about when these prayers are written down in Scripture, because if you were to nail down a reason why people prayed in Scripture, specifically in the New Testament church, it would be this. These people were convinced 
that a life of self-reliance and self-sufficiency was a terrible idea. Like, I don't want to live my life with my power and with my ability and with my talent. I don't want to do that. I want to live a life with God's freedom and with God's power and with the authority given to us by the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm not trying to be self-sufficient. I'm trying to rely on God as much as I can. But we're different. We, we applaud self-sufficiency and relying on ourselves. We consider it a badge of honor when we don't have to ask anybody for anything. We can take care of everything. I would say you're living a pretty safe life. And that's not the life that God's called you to live as a follower of His. I believe that the life that God has called us to live puts us in a place where we quickly realize we are hosed if God doesn't show up. That you can spin your wheels on your talents and your gifts and your abilities all day and you will not accomplish what God has called you to do. It's that big. It's that powerful. It is that impacting. It will change the world. But I think a lot of Christians are interested in just changing our world, not the world. We can do that on our own. We don't need God for that. Are you constantly communicating with God? Are you constantly asking Him, begging Him, rejoicing, thanking, this, this attitude of prayer? Ultimately, if you look down that, that list, your life is going to look pretty different as a follower of Jesus. I mean, this is not normal. This is, there, there's not a lot of people that, are, that, that look like what we just described, what, what this small group of people in Acts chapter 2, it's just different. And I would challenge you from, a, from an aspect of personal holiness, from an aspect of a pursuit of Jesus, man, how different does your life look? Are you devoted to those things? Or, or are you a dabbler? Where's your spiritual health right now? And, and, and even more importantly, what are you going to do to move from one category to the other? What are you going to do to, to check that for you personally and provide some action steps? I'd encourage you to look over that list, but, but I am excited to tell you one thing this morning that, that Revo is going to do to try to help you. This has actually been a brainchild of ours for about a year and a half now. We've been working on this and, and putting it all together. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to, do, to do something when you get home. On our website, we have a resources tab, and we just launched what we are calling a, uh, a toolbox, a tool shed for our members to access. We've broken different resources down into categories like evangelism, discipleship, leadership, personal growth, marriage, parenting, um, all of these different categories, how to live out the gospel at work, how to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. We have uploaded a ton of resources to, to this page, and we really we call it a tool shed because we want to put some tools in your belt. We want you to be able to go there and access some different things that you need some help on, that, that you think, hey, yeah, right, man, evangelism, that's something I need to take a step on. How do I live the gospel out at work? Yes. H how can I be a, a leader of my home and, and family worship and leadership? And what are, what are those things look like? Um, a, a lot of people have been asking about the, the Elephant in the Room podcasts. In the next few weeks, we're going to post those podcasts. Uh, man, how to tackle subjects like racism and, and sexuality and, and, and abortion. Those are the three topics that 
that we, that we tackled in those things. Man, what does the Bible say about all those things? So in the next coming weeks, we're going to post that. But, but for a year and a half now, we've been dreaming about that. How can we better equip people to, to say yes to Jesus? we got to move past Sunday morning if we're going to be disciples. We have to, it's got to be bigger than just 30 minutes on a Sunday morning of, of a message and, and a few songs sung about Jesus if you're going to take your next step with him. So we'll post some of those things on our website. We'll post it on social media. Um, but, but you can go home today and check out that, that tool shed. It's just one of the ways that we want to help you move from, from dabble to devoted and help you take that next step in your relationship with Jesus. It's going to take courage. No, no wonder people don't want to hear this. <laughs> no wonder people would rather just say, ah, man, I, don't even, I don't even like to go to church anymore because I, I'm confronted with my own sin and I'm confronted with my own depravity. And uh, it, it comes to light, like God speaks through his word and it comes to light how, how far away that I am and how much progress that I need to make. I, I'm begging you, don't be one of those people spiritually that say, well, if I don't acknowledge it, then it doesn't exist and everything will be okay. Let's look at what God's called us to be. Let's check our spiritual vital signs this morning and do some simple steps in order to move forward in that relationship with Jesus.